All right, notice we are in Colossians chapter 1, and in verse 16, it says, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. And obviously, as Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. But here, too, in Colossians, it's showing that Jesus Christ, He is not just the Son of God. He is God. He is the creator of all things. God created the world by Jesus Christ. It was Jesus who spoke this universe into existence. Everything that exists all came from Him. And so obviously, He should have priority in everything. He should be uh, the head of all these things. He has the right to say in absolutely everything. Jesus Christ is the Creator. We talked about that last Sunday. And so... As people, we often talk about things that are ours, and obviously, uh, we do have things that God recognizes it as ours, but in reality, these things, they all came from God, they consist from Him, and they are to be used according to His purpose, and because He has authority over us as well, and we get that because He's our Creator. The Creator, or the creation, has no business saying something against the Creator, and so one thing that is important that we see a lot of in the Bible, we'll see some examples of this in scriptures, is when it comes to what we have. In reality, while on one hand we can say it ours, in reality it's God's. It all belongs to God. And I had this message in my heart. This is actually something I preached a long time ago. In fact, it was almost 12 years ago. And almost any time I pull out notes, from an old sermon, I preach it, I feel like an evangelist, and I, I feel like, I don't know, it just makes me feel like a fraud preaching a sermon. But it's like, you know, if it's been 12 years, I think I can preach it again. I mean, how many were even here 12 years ago when I preached this? Was there anybody? And so, besides my family. So, uh, so just, uh, I, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to preach this one again because I was, it was on my heart too, again, as I'm preparing financial reports and just, you know, going over the last year. But when it comes to, uh, when it comes to finances, especially with the church finances, I've always been like very picky about keeping track of everything because I don't take it lightly handling something that does not belong to me. And I think it's important, you know, when it comes to, you know, a tr- in a church, you know, the money does not belong to the pastor. But the reality is too, when it comes to everything you have, it doesn't really belong to you either, does it? And just like you all would expect me to be a good steward of what I'm watching over because it doesn't belong to me. You know, you ought to understand too that God expects you to be a good steward of what He has put you in charge of because everything you have actually belongs to His. And what do we call it when somebody is put in charge of something and they misuse it or they use it for their own personal gain rather than for the purpose that they were given it for? We call that embezzling. That's what we call embezzling, and that is a very serious thing. And me, thankfully, one of the things that my dad always taught, you know, as a pastor, my dad had been a part of ministries where there had been some scandals and things in the past, not from him, but the leadership in the churches that he was in. And one of the things that my dad learned is that, you know, even an accusation can ruin a church. 
And my dad's like, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't just, you know, protect ourselves from sin, but we need to protect ourselves from the appearance of sin. We don't even want an accusation. And so he was all about, you know, putting windows on all the doors, you know, that, where you could and, uh, you know, and, and being open and transparent with the finances and all that kind of stuff because he didn't even want to be accused of anything because he cared a lot about the ministry and the reputation of the church, his reputation. And because there was many situations where people embezzled funds and there was other churches where things happened, it was one of those areas where he's like, we've got to make sure we're doing these things right. And so if you're a good manager of someone else's money, like in the financial world, you know, it, you know, it's okay for them to profit from that. In fact, that's when you give it to a bank, they're not just holding it for you because they like you. Okay. They intend to use it so they can make money. And you know what? I'm okay with that as long as when it's time for me to get my money, it's still there. If I go and I deposit a paycheck in the bank and then I go to buy my groceries later and I swipe my debit card or something that's not working because there's insufficient funds and I go to my bank and there's like, and I look at my, and they're saying there's no money there. Like, sorry, but our banker went and spent it on a cruise or something. I'm going to have a problem with that. That's not what I left it there for. That's not what he was supposed to do. And embezzler, embezzlers, too, they, they typically end up getting caught. And when you embezzle what belongs to God, you're going to get caught. Maybe not on this earth, but one of these days you're going to stand before God and you are going to give an account. And God has made all of us stewards. And the Bible says too, moreover it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We all ought to be faithful stewards, somebody you can count on. We were having some conversations this week too, you know, when it comes to certain uh, beliefs that, you know, our churches hold that are uh, not mainstream with the IFB world. You know, we were having conversations about how a lot of people have the wrong idea about certain doctrines and certain terms like, you know, re- you know, replacement theology sometimes confuse people and they get the wrong idea. And so we were just, you know, having conversations about how we can articulate these things better. And, you know, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot and something that it's very important that we understand theologically, too. And the Bible talks about this a lot. But is that is that term steward and where a lot of people get confused when it comes to stewardship Israel, okay, salvation has always been by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, I'm probably going to be preaching a sermon along these lines pretty soon. But Israel was given the work of the ministry, the sacrifices, the temple, they were given all of these things, right? But the reality is they did not do what God wanted them to do with those things that he gave them. With that ministry, they were not faithful stewards. They were unjust stewards. That's why Jesus gave all those parables. And so do you all remember what happened as a result of Israel? failing to be good stewards with what God gave them, he said, the kingdom will be taken from you and given to another nation. That's what happens when you misuse what God gives you. He's going to take it away and he's going to give it to somebody else. And I don't know about you, but you know, if I want to do the work of the Lord, if I want to even do work myself, if I want to accomplish things myself, I kind of need some things to steward over. I don't want to be nothing. Or I don't want to have nothing. You know what we call people who have nothing? Homeless people. Bums. No, I wouldn't put them in charge of anything. 
You know, because I, I don't even trust him with a handout I give him. I'm afraid they're going to go buy drugs with it. You know, you know, there's a reason they don't have anything. It's typically because what they've been given, they did nothing with it. Or they misused it. They embezzled it. They wasted it on drugs or whatever to go have some kind of good time. And now they have nothing. And rightfully so. And as Christians, we need to take this very serious about how we handle the things that God gives us. We do not want to be embezzling it. Everything we have belongs to God. He put these things in our care, wanting us to use them for His glory. And so when we take these things and we do something with them that He wouldn't want us doing, something He commanded us not to do, you know what? We're no different than an embezzler. We're no different than an embezzler. If me, out of the goodness of my heart, if I'm, if maybe, you know, Brother Aaron's car breaks down, and then I'm like, hey, you know what? Because I want to help you out in this situation, I will allow you to borrow my car. Now, I shouldn't have to tell him a whole lot of things. You know, but like if I go and I allow him to borrow my car, and then he goes and decides, you know what? I think I can make some money if I enter this thing in a demolition derby. He has no, do you think I'll ever let him borrow a car again? Well, you didn't tell me I couldn't enter in a demolition derby. I mean, I, I shouldn't have needed to. You know, it's, it's just, it's just kind of, it's just kind of known when you borrow somebody's vehicle, you shouldn't abuse it, you shouldn't treat it bad, you shouldn't drive reckless with it. You shouldn't do those, you shouldn't do those things with it. You know, if I let you borrow my car, I sure hope I don't see it parked out at, uh, Rock Vegas out there. I don't want people seeing my car in that place. Oh, that's what the pastor does with all his money. You know, you, you shouldn't do something with it that I wouldn't do. You know, obviously, there's limits to me allowing you to use that. Obviously, I want you to benefit from it. I want you to be able to get to work. I want you to be able to fulfill your responsibilities, do the things you need to do. But there's limits on that. And Christians, sometimes we're just as bad as the world. We're taking things that God gave us because we forget He gave them to us. We forget these things aren't ours. We forget that. And when we do, we are in danger of losing those things. Now turn over to Job chapter 1. So let's talk about some things that we often embezzle. Things that are not, things that are not technically ours. We get to use them. We benefit from them. You know, but at, at the, re, at the reality is, it's not really ours. But in Job chapter 1 verse 20, after Job loses everything, after Job loses all his possessions, it says, then Job arose and ran his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and all this Job sin not, nor charge God foolishly. Now folks, for sure, Job was tore up about what happened. Job did not like what had happened. He was not happy with what happened. And while Job, you know, you can't always control your emotions as far as what your feelings. You can't, you can't always control what you feel. Job did control what he was able to control, and that was his mouth. And you know what he did? He said the right thing, and he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, naked shall I return thither. You know what he was acknowledging? Everything I have was given to me by God. I came into the world with nothing. I had a lot during my time, during my time so far, but God gave it all away, and God took it away. It was his to do so. And you know what he did? He praised the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that needs to be our mentality right right there is the Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. 
I came into the world naked. I'm going out naked. And whatever I have in between is a blessing from God. And you know what? I'm going to be thankful while I have it. So, well, I want more. Well, then you're just selfish. You know what? Be thankful for what God gave you. Be thankful and use it for His glory. And so we should recognize our possessions. They do. They belong, they belong to God. So, well, and if you want more, maybe what you should do is be a good steward of what God gives you. And then maybe He'll give you more. If I had the money to invest in things, if I've got one uh, guy I'm investing with and he's making all kinds of money, another guy, he's not making hardly any money, and then I get more money to invest, guess who I'm going to invest in? The guy who's making all the money. And if you are taking what God gives you and you are glorifying Him with it and you are using it for His glory, you know what? I believe God will bless you. I believe that God will give you more. And so we should always just have that attitude. It's okay for you to do things that you like and do things that you enjoy with the things that God has given you. But ultimately, your priority should be glorifying God with those things. And you remember, your possessions belong to Him. And so, you know, something we ought to think about, and this is, you know, could it be that some people who seem to have, and maybe they do, all the money, could it be they've been wise stewards with what God's given them? Why well, do I always just assume they got lucky? Maybe they did. I mean, listen, there's bad people with a lot of money. There are. There's bad people with a lot of money. But at the same time, too, you know, there's good people that have money, and it's not because they went and ripped everybody off. Maybe these people were good with what God had given them. Remember Matthew 25, 28? said, Take therefore the talent from him... And give it to him which hath ten talents. You had the five, the three, and the one. The one that gained five gained another five. The one who gained three gave, gained another three. The one who gained, had one buried it. And you know what? God took it from the one that didn't do anything with it, and He gave it to the one not with ten or not with six. The one with ten. So again, sometimes there's some people that get a lot of blessing because they are very faithful with what God gives them, you know? And so, um, that should be the attitude that we ought to have. But many people do. It's, we've got this Democrat mentality that anybody with money, you know, is, you know, obviously ripping people off and the government needs to fix this to make us all equal. And it's like, no, the only thing government will accomplish is making just more of us equally poor. That's it. They're not going to make, they're not going to make more of us rich. Those make us all equally poor. And so that's not good. And let me tell you something. We have every right to not want to pay. I mean, I think we ought to pay our taxes. But you ought, you ought to have, have every right to get upset about it. You know why? Because the people we're being forced to pay taxes to are really bad stewards. Really bad stewards. And we have they have no accountability. These people should get fired. They should be in jail for the way they are wasting money. Just... Don't get me going on that. But when you listen to... And just remember, every time you hear about all the money they're wasting, that's your money. All that money that they're giving to Israel, that is a waste of money. We need it. All the money they're giving to Ukraine, that is a waste of money. We need it. We need it in our country. And it's a shame the way they're doing these things. It's a shame these people are getting reelected. And the reality is, you know, I just think it's judgment because it's, you know, people in America too, they're not very good at their money. It's amazing how many people, they, they have no idea where their money's going. They're not stewards even of their own money. And that's, that's not good. We ought to have higher expectations 
on our leaders. We ought to expect them to be able to balance the budget and things like that. But, I mean, it's always like looked at as a miracle and this person's like this great leader if they balance the budget. But it's like, no, why isn't that just expected? That should just be, why isn't it demanded? Why isn't it enforced? And it's because the people making the rules are a bunch of crooks. But anyway, our possessions do, they belong, they belong to God and we ought to use them the way he wants it to. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about ways we can do that. But again, I, I mean, that, that goes for everything. The house that God gave you, the cars that you drive, the clothes that you have. It, we shouldn't be wasteful. Wasting is not a good thing. We, don't, we shouldn't be tempting God and putting ourselves in a position where he constantly needs to do financial miracles for us. We ought to be good with what we have. We, ought, we should be frugal as Christians. We shouldn't be wasteful. And I, I believe, I believe it's, a, it's a real problem when we do. And we shouldn't have this attitude that if God asks something from us that's his, we shouldn't get all bent out of shape. Again, if I let somebody borrow my car, you know, and I let you have it for a while, you shouldn't get bent out of shape when I'm like, hey, I need it back. You, know, you ought to be thankful that you had it for a month. You know, that should be, that should be the attitude. I remember, too, when I... Um, Years ago, I, I switched banks because me and my dad, we had the same bank and they kept depositing my checks into his account and it just got annoying. And I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with this. And then one, one time I looked at my savings and there was like $500 gone. Now, how the $500 got there in the first place, I have no idea. But there was $500 less than there was supposed to be. And I'm like, what in the world? And listen, when you've had the kind of balances I've had in my bank accounts my whole life, you, you notice when $500 are gone. Uh, you, you better believe you noticed that. And I saw it on the online banking and I, I went in the bank. I'm like, what happened? There's just a $500 withdrawal. I never withdrew this money. My wife didn't withdraw this money. And they got, they got to look at, oh, we accidentally, they, they accidentally deposit, put it in somebody else's bank account. I, I don't know how they made that mistake, but I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to a different bank. Because first of all, they were bad stewards. And you know what those people too, when I went there to go, they were always real friendly. They were always real nice. You know, almost flirty. And I remember when I went there, I'm like, yeah, I like to close my account. They just gave me this look. They made me go sit in this one spot with chairs where they had cut the legs. I looked at all the other chairs. They had cut off part of the legs and I'm sitting low. So they're like looking down at me. It made me feel like garbage. And I'm sitting there too and I'm just like, I'm like feeling bad for like closing out my account. I'm like, this is my money. Why are they making me feel like this? Remember, remember George Bailey when he sat down across from Henry Potter and he's like, he's sitting low in that chair and he's kind of awkwardly trying to sit up. You know, Potter did that on purpose because he wants to show, have, you know, dominance over people. He wants to look down on. That's why we have a pulpit up here so I can, no. This is so you can see me, all right? But, you know, it's like, you have no right to do that. This is mine. And again, Christians... Whenever you start going to the scriptures and it talks about giving, talk about communicating like we did this morning in Sunday school and all these things about generosity, people act like, how dare they, how dare God ask these things of me? Uh, it's his. It's his. Yes, that, yeah, you know, the bank's not going to be able to profit off my money right now, which how much they could have been making, I can't even imagine. But at the same time, too, you know what? Just it's his. And you know what? Maybe if he's able to easily get it from you when he needs it, maybe he'll be willing to invest more in you later. 
So we shouldn't be afraid to give something, to give, not give something away, give things back to God. It belongs to Him. Another thing that belongs to God that we often embezzle is our talents. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. It says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in His body as it hath pleased Him. And we're not going to read through all that passage, but 1 Corinthians 12, it's talking about spiritual gifts. Everyone is a part of the body. This church is one body, but we have many members. We have many parts. Everyone has their unique abilities. Everybody has an area where they are able to contribute, where God has given you talents so you can use them for His glory. Now, if God gives you a talent to use for His glory, does that mean you can't use it for your benefit? And of course not. It, w- it would be like, too, you know, if, uh, if, you know, somebody lets me borrow their tools, you know, so I can use them to work on a project and it'll help, you know, make my job easier and stuff. But, you know, if you go and you let me borrow some really nice drill so I can, you know, use a project in my house and then you got a project coming up in your house and you actually own the drill, I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to use it. I've got this project I'm doing. It's like, hey, you should be thankful you benefited this much. I need it right now. Let me have it back. You know, the owner should get have priority in a situation like that. You should just be thankful you were allowed to use it. So the reality, so the thing is too, God often gives people talents and then they only use those talents for their own benefit. They only use those talents to help them make money, to help them be successful. I mean, think about how many famous singers are out there. They got their start singing in church. They used to use their talents edifying the church. They used to use their talents glorifying God. And they, and then one day they figured out, hey, look at what God's given me. I could take this and I could make a bunch of money for myself. And then what do they do? They start going with the world, making all the money, and then they leave all the Christianity and stuff behind. You know what? That's a shame. They went and took what God gave them for His glory, and they used it for their own financial gain. They used it for their own fame, their own fortune. That's not okay. And so again, maybe, you know, there are people out there, though, who have used their abilities for God's glory. And, you know, maybe those people too who have all the talent. Have you ever seen those people too, even in churches, that have all this talent? And it's like, good night. You know, well, how come some people can just do it all? It's not fair. But maybe it's they've put their talent to good use. Maybe they've just developed that talent because they've used, maybe they, you know, they've used their gifts, their abilities to be a blessing to other people. And so God has blessed their abilities to to where they can do even more. Some, you know, some, you know, teach, listen, teach your kids to use their talents for the glory of God. Play instruments in church. Play instruments in, 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 uh, you know, in nursing homes and things like that. Sing specials in church. Teach them to be a blessing to other people, and then God will multiply that. But if the only thing, skills and talents they have, you're, they're just using to develop their video game abilities, you know, God's not going to bless them with more. You're going to get stopped right there and just become one of those gamer losers. But you know, use those talents for the glory of God. And so, if, uh, if God's given you a special ability, if you have, if you have a unique talent. I believe it is okay for you to use it for yourself, but you should also find a way to use that for God's glory. Just like somebody who's, there are people out there, they are gifted, they are equipped, they are capable of going out and making a lot of money. 
I believe those people ought to be good givers. But you have a lot of other people. They are, they are gifted. They are talented in their ability to work, build things. I think they ought to use that somewhere in the church too. Wherever your area of expertise is, ability, I think you ought to find some way to use that that you've benefited from greatly to edify the church. And again, if you say, I don't know how, come to me. I probably will be able to give you some suggestions on how you can do that. Maybe you're somebody that's just really healthy. Maybe you're somebody that God has blessed greatly with good health. You could be a blessing on the manual labor part. You know, you can do the physical work. You know, if, whenever there's, you know, things to be projects done at the church, whenever people are setting up tables and chairs, you know, the healthy people ought to be helping. Don't make the old people do that kind of stuff. You know, oh, you're, you're not making the old rich people do stuff because they give so much. You're making us do it. Well, listen, they found their way to contribute. You find your way to contribute. You know, just all, whatever it is, use your ability for the glory of God. And, and if you don't think you have any abilities, first off, you probably do. But maybe you don't have many because you're not using what you have for God. You say, well, my, mine's not that important. If God gave it to you for the edifying of the church, it's important. It's one more thing that could help this church, and you need to use it. Use those physical abilities. You know, did you know that God has a right to ask us to even suffer and die? Did you know he can do that? And he's completely just into it. Did you know we see in Hebrews chapter 11, there were people that were destitute, that hungered, that were tortured, that died. They wouldn't accept deliverance. They might have a better resurrection. God asked these people of these people all these things and he had every right to do it. God had every right to take everything Job had. The Bible is very clear. Job did nothing wrong. God acknowledged Job had done nothing wrong. Well, so why did God make Job go through all that? Listen, it was God's. God, God saw an opportunity to use Job in a way that would edify millions for thousands of years to come. And so when God saw that opportunity that we have all been blessed by, God said, all right. And God didn't even tell Job what he was doing. That's part of the lesson that, that, we've, that we all learn from. God just one day took everything that he had given Job. But it was his. He had every right to do that. And, you know, you, you can't steal from yourself. You know, but, and God took just what was his, and he had, he had every right to do that. God has asked that many people die throughout time. God said, be faithful unto death. And he'll repay us. He'll give us a crown of life. God, there's a special reward for those who, who are martyred. God's going to pay, God's going to pay us back, but either way, it's his to begin with. Even if he didn't, he has every right to ask these things. So our possessions, our talents, our time, we should, our time, reality is it belongs, it belongs to God. I believe that we should, uh, I believe that we should use our time wisely. We should steward our time wisely for the Lord. It says in Psalm 118 verse 24, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This, this, the time that we have is a gift from God. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. If you have tomorrow, if you have another day, it's because God gave it to you. And let me tell you something. While not all of us will be equally blessed when it comes to possessions, 
While not all of us will be equally blessed when it comes to talents, some have more than others, we are all equally blessed when it comes to time. Did you all know that? As far as in a week, in a day. Okay, we're not all going to live the same amount of time, but there's, we all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days in a week. And, but isn't it strange how many people don't have time to do things that God expects us to do? How do we have the right to say, I don't have time when God is the one who gives us time? God, everybody else has time, but you don't. You know what that means? It means you wasted time. You t- you're taking the time that God has given you and you are obviously misusing it. Does God ask us to do things that are impossible? Does God call us to do things that we're not capable of doing? And so, the, the, you know, we all have the same amount of time. Why is it that we can't give God one day a week? Why is it that so many people in our country can barely make it to church to save their life? So uh, it, it, takes, uh, it takes time. Well, yeah, but it's God's. If He asks you to do that, you ought to do that. It's, it's, his, it's His time that He has given you. It's a day that He made. You use it for His glory. That's the, way, that's the way these things are supposed to work. But most people, they act like it's theirs. That's not okay. That's not appropriate. And so we have, that, we have one day a week. And I personally think we ought to reserve Sunday for them. And again, Sunday's not the Sabbath. We're not resting on Sundays around here, are we? There's a lot of work that goes on you know, between just going to church, the work we do in church, the soul winning, things that take place. These things are far from rest. They're work, but it's a day that we give to the Lord. Now, is is, are all 24 hours of my, of my Sundays usually given to the Lord? No. No, I have, you know, I have stuff that I do on Sundays too, but typically after church is over. You know, sometimes we'll, you know, we'll do something fun or enjoyable, relaxing or whatever. It's okay to do that, but at the end of the day, church is the priority. There's always things popping up that I could do on Sunday, but if it's going to take me out of church, I don't do it. Because this is a day that I have chosen to give to the Lord. Sunday, the Lord and the work of the church, that is the priority on Sunday. And I do believe God wants us doing that because we have been called to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And I do, I believe I do it. And isn't it strange too, how people who seem stressed out, you know, the most because of everything going on, they're always one missing church. Maybe things are in shambles for you because you are using your time poorly. You've not been a good steward with it. And so if you find yourself unable to do the basics, you need to find out why. What are you prioritizing over the things of God? We all have 24 hours in a day. Again, we don't all have the same amount of money coming in. We don't all have the same talents. But when it comes to time, we all have the same amount of time. And there are plenty of people that aren't having any problem reading their Bible regular that they have no problem having a prayer life. They're able to make it to church. They're able to go souling. They're able to do the basics of Christianity while you've got many Christians. I don't have time. Okay? If you don't have time, you wasted it. You wasted it. One of these days, you're going to give an account to God. And when you, I mean, when you stand before God and say, I didn't have time to go souling. I didn't have time to go to church. Do you think that's going to be an acceptable excuse to him? You know what he's going to say? What did you do with your time? And you know, it, you don't want... 
You want to know one of the most terrifying things in the world that you can ever do? You want to know a guaranteed way to get in a fight with your spouse? Is just literally, and, and, I, and I personally think everybody needs to do this. Okay, and a lot of people aren't doing this. And listen, because you're not doing this, you're going to get in a lot of fights with your spouse. I'm telling you, schedule this big fight. And if you schedule this big fight, you'll avoid a whole bunch of little fights and big fights. Okay, but sit down and do a budget of your money. Because if you're always having that conversation, where did all our money go? Figure it out. Okay, keep track. And one, I remember when we first did that, when we made a budget and we were, you know, we used a computer program and, and I realized how much money I was spending on some stuff that it's like, I don't have to spend money on it. Okay. But you know, it's like when you, when you're coming up short, you know, let's say you're just coming up short a hundred bucks every month and you're going to Starbucks 30 days out of the month, spending $6 each time. And then it's like a hundred, that's $180. That makes up the difference right there. I spent $180 at Starbucks in the last month. You multiply that by 12. You start doing the math and that stuff. You know what happens? You get embarrassed. You do. It's embarrassing where the money's all going. And, and when you see what your priorities are, now listen, if you're rich, you, you can afford to spend $180 a month on coffee. Spend $180 a month on coffee. But when you're poor and you realize you're doing that, it's like, man, I got to get my priorities right. And there's something about seeing these things on paper that just slaps you right in the face. And I, and I remember, you know, so we had, we had some, we had some family meetings between me and my wife that weren't pleasant because we're like, we can't keep doing this. Look at the, look at, let's do the math here. Look at what's coming. Look at, look at all these things. And, but you know, let me tell you something. When we, when we did that budget, it helped us identify where we were going wrong. And one of the thing, one of the biggest things that I, we learned and admitted that day, we just had this attitude, like a lot of Americans, that we just feel like we should be like middle class people. But I looked at my son and it's like, you know what? We're lower class. Sometimes, you, sometimes we have to admit, hey, I'm not an upper cruster. I'm not one of those people. I'm poor. I should probably live like I'm poor. And you know, one of the things I used, I, I've, I've always, I've, I've told my kids this too. I have to put it in a little more politically correct way. But, um, you know, when it comes to certain financial decisions, when it comes to certain things people are trying to sell you, look at who they typically market towards. And that will tell you a lot. And if it's all the stupid people that are always buying these things, it's probably not a good decision. And... I'm not going to give any examples. Right? I have to keep these things in family. All right, but again, there, let's just say that you know there there were some times my boys wanted to purchase certain things at different places, and I'm like, guys, look at who all's paying for this. These are stupid people. These are poor people. My family might be looking confused right now. I'll remind you after church, but not 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 from the pulpit, not online. Okay, but again, I and, and I did, and you know, and then I'm, and I remember one time too. They went and they purchased one of these things and it turned out it was kind of a scam and it didn't work out very good. I was like, you guys should have known. Did you not see who all was had these things? You should have known it was a bad deal just by who their main customers were. That, that, that should have told you something. And so sometimes we do. We need to admit, I'm not in any position to do these things. I'm too poor. 
I'm, I, I'm not making the salary of the people that are driving the Teslas or whatever the fancy cars you know, people are driving today. And just admit those things. And it's like, you know what? This is what God has given me. I better use it properly. I better use it wisely. I better have some wisdom. And if I'm a good steward, maybe God will increase it. So, um, figure out what that is. And so again, if you don't have time to read your Bible, you know what you ought to do? You ought to do a budget of your time. Just start keeping track. And then maybe when you're like, yeah, four hours is so proper today. That's why I don't have time for anything. That's why I don't have time to read my Bible. That's why I don't have time to pray and go soul winning. You know, I, I don't know what it is you're wasting your time on. But typically things like that are very eye-opening and embarrassing. I mean, what, and what, nobody's going to do this, but what if we did? We had somebody follow you around for a whole week, documented what you did with your time, and then we read it in front of everybody. It would probably be embarrassing for all of us. Okay, Obviously, it's not everybody's business. But again, that's why we have things like, you know, we have that, that our annual business meeting where it's like, I know, hey, I'm going to have to stand before the church and say this is where the money went. And I think it's important that we do that. Otherwise, it would be real easy to get real wasteful with the money. And that's, that's not a good thing. And so we ought to... Uh, we need to make sure that, remember, these things belong to God. Our bodies belong to God. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Hey, it's not your body. It's God's body. He purchased it. And one of these days, he's going to come back and he's going to get it. He's going to change it. And you know what? In the meantime, we should be like Paul, who we are trying to apprehend that for which we are apprehended in Christ. We ought to try to attain to the resurrection of the dead. It ought to be our goal that when Christ returns and changes our body, he has to do as little as possible. Just like whenever you're, when you're renting a house, you know, you do, and you know eventually you're going to have to give it back. You know, you don't want to like leave it all tore up. They're going to come try to charge you a bunch of stuff. You want to try to leave it as, as good as possible. And we need to understand this body that we have. It belongs to God. We ought to take care of it the best we can. And one of these days, he's going to come back and he's going to redeem it. And he's going to change it. But we shouldn't just be like, ah, he'll be able to fix whatever I do to it. That should, that should not be your attitude. Because you're going to stand before him and you're going to give an account of the things done in your body. So remember, your body belongs to him. So we shouldn't go harming our bodies. You don't, you don't have the right to go doing drugs. You don't have the right to do those things. No, you don't have the right. Okay? Even if you legally get the right. Okay? You, yeah, you can legally smoke pot. No, you don't have any right to smoke pot. As a Christian, you've been bought with a price. You might, you, yeah, legally you can go get drunk. But spiritually, you have no right to get drunk. Your body belongs to God. And you ought to separate yourself from those things. We should do whatever He tells us to do. We should go wherever He sends us. We should do the things He tells us to do. I don't like going soaring. It hurts my feet. Well, then you know what? Then God wants you to do it with sore feet. You know, just do it. It's His. And you know what? If our bodies get damaged, if I get hurt, if I die doing the will of God, you know what? That's okay. It's, it's His. It's His body to do and I'll, I should do what He wants we need to remember our family. That's the last thing. Our family also belongs to God. I say our family, but it actually belongs to Him. 
Bible says in Psalm 127, 1, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh but in vain. Who did God take in Job chapter 1? It was His family. It was His children. And what did Job say? The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And God did not give you those children just for your own purpose and pleasure. And boy, children probably bring more pleasure than just about anything. And you know what? At the same time, though, you don't just get to do things according to your will. God God gave you them for His purpose. We have no right to not raise our family according to the principles of the Bible. That's embezzling your family. God told us how to raise them. You don't have any right to be like, ah, you know what? I, I don't like this corporal punishment stuff in the Bible. No. Uh, God gave you those kids. God told you how to raise them. You better do what He said to do with them. Well, I might break them. I might hurt them. I might make them mad at me. Listen, they're His. You handle them the way that He said. And if they end up rebelling later, you know, that's between them and God. In the meantime, you need to do the right thing. You need to do what God called you to do. God knows better than you do. And, and at the end of the day, you know, the important thing is God get a hold of their heart. You, if, you know, I don't care how good of a parent you are or how good of a parent you think you are. If God doesn't have their heart, then there's no telling what they're going to do. And so you are more like, it's more likely that God will get their heart if we do things according to the way God said. Don't trust your own understanding when it comes to these things. And so when we refuse to take our families where God calls us, it would be the same as if a banker took your money and went into hiding. Listen, if God calls you to be a missionary to, to Africa, that's things for you in some ways, I guess you could say. But you know what? If that's what God wants, you ought to be willing to do it. Oh, you know, my, my family. Listen, you do what God tells you to do with His family He gave you. He has every right to do that. And understand too, if you want to go try to hide, God will find you. God will find you. And so remember, these things that we should give God, they're already His. And when He asks them from us, He's checking to see if we're going to be obedient. They're His. He can just take them if He wants. But we should willingly give Him these things. We shouldn't fight. We shouldn't fuss. We should have them ready to go. Remember when Moses, when he was, when they were getting ready to leave Egypt, Pharaoh, he started compromising with Moses and he said, you can go, but he said, you have to leave your families, you have to leave your possessions. He kept making these deals. And finally, Moses said, you know what? We're going to leave with our flocks and with our herds. And he named off all these things. He's like, he basically told Pharaoh, we are taking everything. And you know what he said? Here's what he said after he told him all the things we're going to take. He basically told Pharaoh, when we leave, we're taking everything. You know why? Because when we get out there in the wilderness, the Lord is going to ask us for a sacrifice and we don't know what He's going to ask for. And it wasn't acceptable to Moses to say, oh man, we don't have it. No. Moses said, we're going to make sure whatever God wants, we're ready to give it to Him. So he told Pharaoh, when we leave, we're taking everything. Because we want to be prepared to, to give God whatever He asked for. And that needs to be our attitude. Lord, whatever You want from me, it's already Yours. Just... Say the word and it's yours. It's already his. Someday, God is going to show up to the bank of Tommy McMurtry and he's going to say, it's time to make a withdrawal. He's going to, or he might say, I want to check the records. I want to see, check what I originally deposited 
and what you have now. Did you do anything with what I gave you? And you know what? Hopefully, when God shows up at the bank of Tommy McMurtry to check and see what I've done, hopefully there will be more there than what was originally deposited. I hope that when God, you know, when God, you know, God saves somebody later, when he goes to check with what they have, hopefully not all they have is salvation. Remember the person with the one talent? All they had was still the one talent. That was it. That's like that person who gets saved and they just do nothing for God. They still got the salvation. Thank, thankfully for that. But they should have more than that. And we ought to have more than that. And so I pray that this uh, mess will just motivate all of us to just get ourselves in the right mindset. Everything I have belongs to to God, and Lord, whatever you need me to do with it, that's what I'm going to do. This is not my choice. It's God's choice. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for all that you've given us. We thank you for what you've given us as a church. Thank you for what you've given the families in this church. We're thankful for uh, the many children. And just, Lord, you have been good to us. And even with possessions, Lord, you've been, you've been good to us. And so I pray you'll help us to be good stewards with these things. Help us to never forget they belong to you. And I pray, Lord, that we'll be faithful and that you'll multiply. And in your name we pray. Amen.